you, thank you, thank you. We just have the best people around here. They don't let anything catch them off guard. They're instant in season and out. Can you tell that? Well, it is just such a blessing to be here tonight. Don't you know God just loves it when His people gather together in His name to hear His Word and put Him first in their lives? I am echoing all over the place in here. Can you all hear it? Yeah. So uh, maybe you could turn me down like three quarters and then I'd still be too high. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, Keith is in Grand Junction, Colorado tonight. How many of you watched it last night? Raise your hand up real high. I kind of want to see. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people watched it last night. It was real good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Dave thought it was good. Me and Dave thought it was good. What about the rest of y'all? <laughs> I thought it was good. I'm a little prejudiced, though, you know. So uh, uh, I thought it was real good. He talked about love. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was good stuff. So, uh I thought it was real good. And then the marriage meeting. I wanted to touch base with you on a couple of things before we went into the message. The marriage meeting. You know, uh, a lot of people stay away from that in droves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You really shouldn't, you know. You should come in droves because um, there's nobody that has all the answers about marriage. And uh, you know what? Everybody is always looking. How do I say this? Uh, there's people that are together, but that are apart. Just because they're living in the same house doesn't mean they're together. You know, and there's people that have been divorced five times, and they just can't seem to figure out the answer to it. So they get embarrassed, and they don't want to come to things like this. But don't let the devil convince you not to come. That's exactly where you need to be. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what makes you happy. And it can make you happy, you know. Having a good relationship with love and fellowship is a good answer to things. So uh, uh, come and be a part of that. And if you can come to Florida, come. You can walk on the beaches during the day and and uh, hold your boyfriend or your husband's hand and smile and get a sunburn and then go to the service at night. <laughs> you know, and then when you get the sunburn, they can put some lotion on it. <laughs> See, I have a plan. I have a plan. No, yeah. Uh, yes, and so, um, and then um, also, we. I just wanted to take this opportunity and thank all of our partners out there because we have had. Dave said it Wednesday night, and it just it blessed my heart when I thought about it when he said it Wednesday night praying. Uh, we have had partners that have been with us since the day Keith and I started in the ministry, and. Uh, and we've got some of them that started with us when we started in the ministry. And I remember a couple of them that started out sewing $25 and are sewing into the thousands now, you know, in tens of thousands now. And you just don't make it without those people, you know. And uh, God has dealt with them. And they have been so faithful. And people in here have been faithful. And uh, God rewards faithfulness, you know. And uh, we just want to thank you. You know, and since he's been talking about it, 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 it just stirs you up a little bit, you know. So I wanted to take that opportunity. Well, they were singing about overcomers. And, you know, God put it on my heart when, uh, when we knew Keith was going to be gone. He kind of dealt with me about uh, being here tonight and uh, doing the service and stuff. And, you know, so I started praying about it. And, you know, you can pray about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And the oddest thing is a lot of times you don't get it till the last minute, you know. And, uh, but... When you get it, then you know it. That's right. 
You know, you know it like you know your name, you know. And so when I got it, I thought, oh, Lord, that's so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it's answers and it's revelation and it's light. And so I asked them to sing that song about overcoming because it kind of goes along with it. Because I thought about, this is what came to my heart. And I thought about Paul when he was on that ship out in the middle of nowhere and it was falling apart. So kind of put yourself there. Put yourself, you've seen enough movies and enough shows to where you can envision yourself out in the middle of the ocean, not on one of these cruise ships you've seen today, but on a ship of hundreds of years ago, and everything is falling apart, and they're taking everything from the ship and throwing it overboard because it is so bad. They were in fear of losing their lives because everything was just so treacherous and so bad. They had no hope of living. No hope of living. That's where the situation was. And that's what I want to talk to you about. What to do when you have no hope left. When you have nowhere to turn and you have no hope left. That's where they were. And I thought, Lord, there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of people that have been in faith circles, that have been in church all their life, that have been around the Word all their life, and they have no hope left. They don't know where to turn for the answers. People have told them, do this. They've told them, do that. They've, you know, uh, like they told Keith to get, about getting filled with the Spirit. Hang on, turn loose, say this, say that. Don't do this, do that. Do, shave off your mustache, shave off your beard. Do this, do that, do that. And he still didn't get the Holy Ghost. You know, so a lot of people have a lot of ideas, you know. But what do we do when all hope is lost? And so I looked at that situation to see how did they get out of it. And let's look at it. Look at Acts 27, verse 22, and see what Paul says. He says, this is the King James Version. And now I exhort you, be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God. Now these next parts, what what bless my socks off. Whose I am. Say that with me. Whose I am. That's the title of my message tonight. Whose I am. And whom I serve. Say that with me. And whom I serve. Saying, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given them thee all of them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. And this next part. For I believe God. And it shall be given, and it shall be even as it was told me. So tonight, that's what I want us to focus on. These three things. Because that's what brought Paul through. And it'll bring you through, it'll bring me through, it'll bring anybody you know through. Knowing these three things. 
for the rest of your life, every day of your life, any test or trial. People in our, um, let's see how I should say this. We're, we're not a denomination, but we've almost become a denomination of rules and regulations and all the things that we have. But in our beliefs, or whatever we want to call them, have been around it so long that we've had so many failures. At least in a lot of other denominations, don't, don't make me say something I didn't say, they don't expect nothing, so they don't have failures. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they don't quit God because they don't have nothing to quit for. Because they're not expecting anything to start with. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you have faith people that are quitting God because they're failing. They're, They're quitting God altogether because the things that they have been told in our circles are not working in their lives, so they're just quitting God altogether. They're not just quitting our church. That's the first step. But then the next thing we check on them, well, where are they in church? Okay, I'm, I, don't, I don't mind that they quit Faith Life Church, but where are they in church? Well, they're not in church now. Well, they went to this church for a few weeks, but then they quit that church too. So where are they in church? Well, they're not in church. Well, that's not okay with me. Because it's not me that they're getting offended at when it appears to be, but it's God that they're getting offended at because things are not working in their lives. And that's not good. So we need to find out how to make them work. So let's look at these three things. Whose I am. Who do you belong to? That's really good. The right answer, and we all know to say it. But who do you belong to? Let's look at a verse. Colossians 3.1. It says, you were raised together with Christ. We were raised together with Christ. Ephesians 1.19. Now let's look at that one and read it all together. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power? Now what's that next part say? Who do what? To us who to us who? Believe. To us who? Believe. To us who? Believe. You can't say it too many times. To us who do what? Believe. It is the exceeding greatness of His power is to us who? Believe. believe. His power only works when you? Believe. believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which was wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things in the church. Whose are you? Whose are you? Let's keep going for just a minute. Let's see if you'll you'll continue to say that by the time we're we're done. Number two. What was the second thing he said? Whom I serve. Don't be too quiet, but whom I serve. Matthew 6.21. People say all the time, well, I'm trying to serve God. 
I'm trying to serve God. Now, how many of you have a Bible that has different color writing in it? See, his does and hers does. No. See, they changed it. Because they don't want you to know Jesus was talking. How many of you have red letters right here? Matthew 6, 21. See, that's just part of you. The new, tra- the new Bibles don't have it, Jesus in red. How many of you Bible does not have Jesus in red? Raise your hand. Look at, look at all the hands. Kind of sad, huh? Make sure you get a Bible that has Jesus in red. Because Keith said it trumps everything. Okay, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is single, then your whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, then thy body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee it be darkness, then how great is that darkness? Okay, verse 24. No man, say no man. No man. Say no man. No man. No man. That means nobody, right? Okay. Can serve two masters. Nobody can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You can't serve God in money. Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and toil, uh, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, so shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. Therefore, take no thought saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. Rest on this next statement. Rest on this next statement. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Is that a formula? Is that a formula? Therefore, we'll get into it. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things that is sufficient uh, to itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So, we've learned, number one, whose we are, we're God's. Number two, We can't serve two people or two things, two entities. We can only serve one. Now I'm going to tell you the last one and then we're going to get into it. I believe God. What do you believe about God? 
That's what he said. The last thing he said was, For I believe God. What does he believe about God? He believes what God said. He believes who he is. He believes what he said in his book. So I'm going to tell you a few things that he said in his book. So many people are convinced of who they are. But I want to remind us of a few things. You got time, I know. So hang on. All right. I want you to see if you can catch what I'm doing. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. I am the vine, you are the branches. If any abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask, whatever you will, and it will be done for you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So your past is gone. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For he has made him to be sin for us that knew no sin, that we may be made the... Of God in Christ. Right? There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who is God made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. For if, if by one man's offense death reigned by one, how much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in you by one Christ Jesus. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Now, how many of you know these verses? Probably every person in the room. Are you catching on to what I'm reading? What is it? In Him, in Christ, in God. But have you, re- have you realized kind of what I'm getting to? Hang on then. In whom we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Who, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. For the law of the Spirit of Christ, of life in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. You are God. You are of God, little children. And you have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Nay, in all these things, 
we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles is, which is Christ Jesus, your hope of glory. And you hath he quickened and made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and has raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in in heavenly places in Christ. Now let's go back to what happened to Paul. And what did he say? He said this. This night an angel stood before me of the God whose I am, whom I serve, who I believe. And it shall be even as it was told me. Why could Paul be so bold? Do you know in all the years that Keith and I have been in the ministry, I think that has probably been one of the things that probably vexed me. I'm sure Keith too. I'm sure a lot of ministers the most. It has been how come you see people, some it appears are overcoming and others it appears are going under and they're all sitting on the same road. And I just, it's like it clicked in me. Because. You want to know the because? Because people are not in Christ. They're not in Christ. They're not in Christ. Let me give you some examples, see if this will help you out. Okay. When we first got in the ministry, people would ask us what we did. I was so glad to be able to say I worked at a doctor's office. You laugh. Okay? I dare to ask, say even our staff, 
When people ask them what they do, do they hesitate before they say what they do? I dare to pull up one of you instantly and say, if they ask you if you're a Christian or where do you go to church, do you hesitate before you answer? See how quiet it is? See how quiet it is? Okay. The reason that I'm saying that is because that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to be ashamed of who you are. He wants you to be embarrassed about what you stand for. He wants you... He doesn't... People do not want anyone to know that they are in Him. That they are God's child. Who are you? I'm God's child. I belong to God. I serve God. They don't want people to know that. And why don't they want people to know that? Because they want to serve two masters. Because they want to come, and I don't want to put anybody down, I want us to get answers in here. I, I, I want people to be able to overcome. He was able to overcome the perils and, and the things that were going on, the trials and, and the death that was about to happen and all the bad things that were about to happen in their life out there on the sea because he knew who he was. He didn't have to run to anybody and ask them, show me who I am, show me how to pray, show me what to do. When things have happened in my life, I don't have to find somebody to pray for me. And I thought about this today. I thought about what if I got embarrassed about who I was and I didn't want to tell anybody because, I mean, there's been some ugly things written about my husband. And I didn't want to say I'm Keith Moore's wife. You're laughing. Or I didn't want to associate and say, yes, I know the Copelands. They're friends of ours. Or I didn't want to say, yes, we're good friends with the Hagans. Because somebody in the world would have something negative to say about it. We have to know who we are. We have to know that when something comes, you, you need to... Okay, what are those new cameras that they have? Um, Ed, you were, where's Ed? You were going to wear one on our bike ride. What is it called? GoPro. GoPro. What if you had a GoPro on the top of your head 24-7? <laughs> I'm serious about it. Would you still be able to say whose you are? Or would someone accuse you then of serving two masters? Do you understand that it's not about what he thinks or she thinks or she thinks or he thinks or she thinks or he thinks or or any person in this room thinks when you're believing God? Do you understand that? 
It doesn't matter what he thinks or he, she thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody around you thinks. They can think you're an idiot. They can think you're a fool. They can think you're dumb. They can think you're never going to get it. They can think it's the stupidest thing they've ever heard of until you drive away in it. Doesn't matter what they think. But what does matter is what he thinks. Is what he thinks. We have to know who we are. We have to know that when we walk into a place of business or we walk into a movie theater or we walk into a family something or another or we walk into a situation with our spouse or we walk into a situation with our kids or we walk into any situation, we have to know whose we are. Whose we are. You said you were God's. How many of you said you were God's? Okay. Were you God's when you cussed that person out? Huh? Or you cheated on that bill? Did that go camera see that? See, Paul did all those things before he got to this point. But then when he became God's, he quit doing all those things. We can't serve two masters and get the answers that we're looking for. If we're God's, we need to hold our head up high and we need to say and shout it from the mountaintops, I belong to God. I'm not ashamed of it. I walk in a place, what do you do? I'm a pastor and I'm proud of it. Proud, 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 yeah. We've got the most wonderful people. I'm not ashamed of it. What do you do? We've got two churches. We've got some glorious people. It doesn't matter. And it's not because of this. I I mean, everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. People know us. But the thing about it is, everywhere you go, people know you. But you know what? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think about you. If I can wrap your head around that and twist it and tie it and put a bow around it, get that tonight. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you because if you please God, they're going to think good things about you. But we have to quit living one life one day and another life another day. You say, well, I've tried. I've tried to do right. Well, um, let's see how I can put this. If God, 
is living in you. It's like Brother Hagin used to say, you need another dip and not a dip of skull. <laughs> what you have to do is you have to do what Keith calls the law of displacement. You get more full of Him than you do the world. And it displaces those things that you want to do in the world. But you can't. And I know I've been death on it. But I'm, I'm even getting more death on it. The stinking TV. You, can, you cannot watch that TV and plan to live for God. I'm sorry, you can't. Because you cannot watch a commercial there in the news and not see naked women in bras and panties. And it's quite irritating to me. Because I don't want my husband to have to see women naked on TV. And if you are are sitting there watching that, then you're going to have trouble in your marriage. And don't tell me you're not. Because you can't live like the world and get the blessings of God on your life. Everybody, and I'm going to repeat that word, everybody that I know that has come from having nothing. I mean, I know the Copelands. I know the Hagans. I know Oral Roberts. I've been in in close proximity to these people most all my grown-up life. And these, to me, are people of true faith. But the thing about it is, the thing that I learned the most about it is not that they just sowed an offering in the offering plate when it went by. They didn't just put $5,000 in there and get rich overnight. They gave their life to God. They gave their being to God. They belong to God. They gave Him who they were. They they were not ashamed of who they were. I'm not telling you you have to stand behind a pulpit and preach, but you have to make a determination. If you want God's best, you've got to give Him your best. It doesn't work that you get all the blessings of God in your life and you go out and sin all day long and then when you need your bills paid, you go, Oh, God, pay my bills. The reason that it doesn't work is not because God won't do it for you. It's because you have no confidence to go to Him. The reason that Paul had confidence to go to God and and believe that it was going to be just as it was told him is because he knew God. You know how Keith talks about we have one source? You ever heard him tell that? We have one source for our finances. Many channels, but one source. How many of you ever heard him say that? Raise your hand up high. I want to see it. So you'll know what I'm about to tell. Great. God dealt with me today. I know it was him. I was sitting there and I was just being quiet and I was praying. And he said, do you know? You only have one source for everything in your life, not just money. You only have one source for the answers and the wisdom you need in your life. 
you only have one source for healing in your life. You only have one source for uh, bodily things that you need. You only have one source for marriage answers in your life. You only have one source for answers about your kids in your life. You only have one source to fix your job situation. You only have one source for anything that you need in your life. There's only one source. Now, God can use a lot of channels, just like he can use a lot of channels to get money to you. But there's only one source for him to be able to get you that answer. If it's a real answer that's going to help you for direction, maybe you need direction. Do you want somebody to come up to you and say, okay, you're supposed to move to Alabama and you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that? What if that's not from God? You only really have one source. You want somebody giving you information about your kids and telling you what your kids are supposed to do? If it's not from God, you don't. You only have one source. So you want a clear line between you and that source. You don't want anything hindering you. You don't want any... See, when I talked about TV, I lost about half the crowd in here. But it's not, it's not about me and you. It's about your heart being condemned toward God. And it's like what I've told the youth. Can you sit there with that go camera on your head and God sitting next to you and you're going to stand next to him and you're going to say, okay, God, I watched this tonight. Is that okay? What's he going to say? Huh? What's he going to say? Oh, yeah, it's okay. You're spiritual enough to watch that. Well, you're more spiritual than me because I ain't never been spiritual enough to watch that crud. I do good to watch Disney. And some of that, you have to watch the, the underlying stuff behind it. We have got to decide, guys. We, we are God's chosen people. We're it. No matter how ugly we are, we're it. But we're not. We're beautiful in His sight. And He's given us everything He has. And He's not asked us for anything. And He's not holding anything back. You know, I've played games when I was uh, younger and when things were, Keith was at work or he was gone for days and days at a time years and years ago. And I thought about this today. I thought about, how many have ever played any of those video games or anything like that? Raise your hand. Yeah. Just a little game on your phone or something like that, you know. Some of these games are kind of funny. Because it's like, you think they've messed up on it. Because there's absolutely no way to do it. And you get to a point and you're like, I know, there's no way to do this. There's absolutely no way to do this. So you think they're holding out on you. How many of you been there? You think you can't get to the next, the next phase or the next step? Raise your hand. Don't be too pious on me now. You can't get to the next stage or the next level. And you're just stumped. And it's like, what is it? 
I've done everything I know. I've gone through it 26 times. I've gone over that level and over that level and over that level. And you just feel like, what is it? Where am I missing it? It's the same way in life. It is the exact same way in life. Those gaming people weren't holding anything out. You just weren't doing it the right way. And as soon as you do it the right way, the doors open, the walls fall down, the this happens, the that happens, and you go right through and you get your prize, you get the gold, you get the girl, you get whatever it is you were doing, and you win. It's the same way with God. God is not holding anything out on any person in this room. He's not holding anything out on anybody in here. His joy is for you to get everything you can possibly believe him for. That's his greatest joy. It's his joy and his pleasure to give you everything. All these things, though, that we say, I'm healed, I can do anything, we can't. We can't, guys. We are failing left and right. Why? Because all those things were in Him. We're not even overcomers unless we're in Him. We'll fall on our face unless we're in Him. And we can't be in Him one day and out of Him the next day and in Him one day and out of Him the next day. We have to make a choice. We can't serve two masters. We have to decide, do we really serve God? And it's not about getting things. It's about being happy, period. There's so many Christians today on antidepressants. There's so many marriages falling apart. Why? Because God cannot even give them the wisdom and the answers that they desire because that wall's blocked. They they keep running around in the same circle, in the same circle, doing the exact same thing in that game. It's like they're in a game. And all he's saying is, Seek ye first me. Belong to me. Love me. Last time I taught, I taught about spending just a few minutes with him every day. Just a teeny tiny bit. And I don't even want to ask for a show of hands. Because I know people did it for a week. And then they quit. Because they're too busy for God until they need something. And it's okay if you can make it and not need a healing. It's okay if you can make it and you didn't get a diagnosis of cancer or your child is not being rushed to the emergency room and you need some of that faith stuff now. It's okay until then. And guys, by then, we should be up here instead of down here. 
And that's what the devil is trying to do. All these things he sets out before us, all these lusts, all these temptations, all these things that he set out to keep you distracted, it's not just to distract you. It's to keep you from pleasing God. It's to keep you from getting any faith. Because with faith, you please God. And he don't want one person in this room to please God for one second. And that's all it takes. Okay, example. The other day I was talking with somebody. And they were talking to me about believing God for a house. And they said, this is the way that we want a house. We want it pretty much like what you got, your last house, where you just moved in. It was furnished. Everything was there. God had somebody call you. It was marked down to a quarter of the price. That's what we're believing for. I didn't laugh, but I thought. I thought, God... Is that what we have taught people? Is we've taught them that they have to start out up here or they're a failure. Because you know what? If you don't start out down here, you're never going to get up here. And Keith taught something a couple of weeks ago and I left the service And I I told him, we were in the truck and we were going home and I told him, I said, people are believing for the plantation. And he said, what do you mean? I said, God is doing his best to give people seeds. And they're refusing the seed. They want the plantation. When they don't realize that the seed is what leads to the plantation. And they're refusing the seeds left and right. They don't want the seed because the seed requires work. They want the plantation. But what they don't understand is every person that I know Every faith giant that you look up in the Bible, every faith giant that I have ever been around knew these things. They knew who they were in Him and who they belonged to. They served Him. They loved God. They didn't just go to church to see what they could get. It's not about that, guys. And if anybody has left you with that impression, they've left you with the wrong impression. Because God wants... God is your daddy. And there's no daddy in the world that doesn't want to spend time with you. I know there's been things in my life, things in your life, things in every person's life in here that... You've just come to your wit's end about it. And it's like, oh, God, what? 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 And you can read scriptures. You can look up things. You can try to talk to people. You can do anything you you know to do. And nothing changes. 
But do you know what you have to do? You have to know who he is. And you have to do what I've done with Keith so many times. I just sometimes, you know, you just are worn out and you're just tired from the rat race and the fight and everything because the devil is here for one purpose, to steal the word that you've gotten. And what you do is you just go crawl up in your father's lap and you just sit there for a while. You just crawl up and cuddle up and just sit up in his lap for a while. And that's where you're going to find your answers. You don't have to do a formula. There's not a ten steps to getting the answers from God. Because nobody's life is the same. Nobody is going to find out exactly the same way to get an answer on doing what they need for their life. And that's why you can't get a formula to do it. Yes, you give if you want to reap. But then God may tell you, you need to get a job. God may tell you, you need to be nice to somebody. God may tell you, you need to go and and, uh, plant this seed. God may tell you, you need to go and get a job. God, God may tell you, you need to do something else. Go on a mission trip. I don't know. But he may tell every person something different after they plant their seed on how they're going to reap the harvest off of that seed. Not one person is going to be the same. That's why he is our source. When the devil comes and tells you whatever's going in your life is not going to work and you have lost all hope of any answers... What do you do? Do you just crawl up in a, in a ball and, and crumble and say, I don't know what to do? That's when you fall back on who you are in Him. Does He know who you are? Yes, He knows who you are. You are His favorite child. Say it after me. I am His favorite <laughs> See, I even let you say it. <laughs> you are his... Keith told me the other day, we were out at night, right before we go to bed, we walk out, take the pups out to do their business. And, and uh, he said, Phil, I think... Or Phil, he calls me Phil. I think that when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to walk up to you and he's going to say, there's my favorite. <laughs> I, and uh, I said, I believe that. I believe that's going to happen just that way. <laughs> But when you're in the middle of stuff, it's not that God is trying to keep anything from you. It's like what I said about that game. He's not trying to keep a thing from you. That's the devil trying to keep everything and condemn you. It's not that, like I said, I'm not against the TV shows. I'm against that we are strong enough to watch the TV shows without feeling condemned. I'm against that everybody in here has enough spiritual strength to where that when they're believing for something that the devil doesn't attack them and tell them that they can't believe for it because of they've done this or they've done that or, or bring thoughts and has already fed that stuff to where they've gone to a different level and things are happening in their life that shouldn't be happening. That's what I'm against. Because the devil's mean. And so... 
look at this with me. Mark 11, 23. Anybody know Brother Hagen? He wrote that verse. <laughs> Anybody know people that just kept thinking a thought that wasn't true about somebody or about themselves till they came to a point where they believed it? They genuinely believed it. Mark eleven twenty three says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his head, but shall believe... What? Shall not doubt in his head... shall not doubt in his head. Then why does everybody think that? Shall not doubt in his heart, but but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. How come... I'm going to say 99.9% of the people in this room when the devil attacks and starts feeding things to your head he can get you out of faith because the things he feeds up here he keeps telling you no, you're not good enough no, you're not going to have it no, you're not going to be able to pay that bill no, it's not going to happen no, you're fat no, you're ugly no, your kids are terrible no and what happens? huh? you lose confidence, do you not? and you start believing what he's telling you but did that verse say shall not doubt in his head? It said, shall not doubt in his heart. That's right. That's right. But where the problem comes in is if you continue thinking on that. You sit there and you think on it over and over and over and you days and days and weeks and thinking and thinking and thinking. Well, they had an affair. Well, they did this. Well, they don't love me. And you continue thinking those things. Oh, we're not going to have enough money. We're we're not going to have enough money. I don't know what we're going to do. We're not going to have enough money. And you keep thinking that. Well, what's going to happen? You're not going to have enough money. It's going to happen. But listen to what Brother Hagin said in one of his books. He said, The following statement came to me during an utterance in tongues and interpretation, and it registered on my spirit. He said... Thinking faith thoughts. Thinking faith thoughts. And speaking faith words will lead the heart out of defeat into victory. Do you want to write it down? Okay. Thinking faith thoughts. Thinking faith thoughts. If you guys can type it on the screen, it'd be good for them, probably. Thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words 
and speaking faith words will lead the heart out of defeat and into victory. So it doesn't matter what your head is thinking. If you will think faith thoughts and speak faith words in spite of that, it will lead your heart out of defeat and into victory. So if thoughts have been bombarding your head, what do you start doing? Start thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words. Then your heart can change. Things in your heart can change. Things like this. I just pulled up a few verses that might help you. I will never, this is the Amplified, never in any degree leave you hopeless, helpless, forsake you, let you down, relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. And I've been studying for the marriage meeting a little bit, and this helped, this blessed me when I read it. So take comfort and be encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Ladies, did you catch that? The Lord is my helper. Ladies, did you catch that? The Lord is my helper. You didn't catch it. I'll explain it to you later. (laughs) I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? That's a good thing to be thinking on. What can man do to me? We don't care what man thinks if we're pleasing God. Because if we're pleasing God, man's going to think good. You got it? All right. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs. That's a good thought. Uh, The Lord, I like this one, the Amplified. The Lord has become my high tower and my defense. How many of you need a defense? Somebody been bugging you. He's your high tower and your defense. My, my, and my God, my rock, and my refuge. The message says this. Um, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to Him. Run and crawl up in His lap. Doesn't matter what's happened. Know whose you are. Belong to Him. You all said you were God's. That's how we get the answers, is by running to Him. Not from Him, but to Him. We know we're His. And you all know this. The Message Bible says it this way. The thief is only there to steal or to kill or destroy. I I came so that they could have real and eternal life, more and better life, better than they ever dreamed of. When things are going on in your life and you're standing and you've been 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 standing and and absolutely nothing has happened and you get tired. You just get frustrated. 
You have one of two choices at that point in time. You can say, God let me down, or I'm doing something wrong. That's basically the two choices that you have. And a wise person would say, okay, God, where am I missing it? Show me where I'm missing it. But what happens so much of the time is the devil gets in and he convinces you that you're doing everything right. And I guarantee you on those games, you think you're doing everything right. You've gone through it over and over and over and over again. But you're not. And God wants you to have it worse than you want it. I thought about this. We know we're supposed to resist the devil. But I don't know if you believe this or not. But my husband talks about airplanes a lot. (laughs) So for some odd reason, an airplane illustration came up to me. Believe it or not. Lord, help me. Yes, an airplane illustration. I think it'll help you, though. How many of you have heard about the new airplanes that are called fly-by-wire? Okay, very few of you, so I will explain. The new technology, and then I'm going to even read it to you so I make sure I don't mess up anything. The new airplanes that are coming out are totally different than the old airplanes. Um, you know how in cars now everything is run by a computer? Well, of course, they're wanting to do that with airplanes so that pilots don't make mistakes as much and they can help them do things that they're supposed to do and this kind of stuff. So I'm going to read you what kind of... It happens. Conventional manual hydraulic controls take input from the pilot via a yoke. The yoke is that thing they pull back and forth on, you know. It looks like the steering wheel, but it's not because you don't really steer it. Um, And command the movement of the flight controls via a a control actuator, via cables and pulleys. So in other words, airplanes used to have Cables and pulleys that went to every part of the airplane. They were were a cable that went from the the yoke all the way back to the rudder, that thing that stands up on the back of the airplane and goes like this, okay? Or the elevators, the things that go like this on the back of the airplane. Giving you an airplane lesson. Don't tell Keith. Okay? But it says, there are numerous advantages to the fly-by-wire systems, including weight and savings and safety features that they're going to incorporate into the computer software. It means that a computer is doing the flying for you. Ouch. Traditional flight controls have cables running through the plane from the rudders and to the yoke. Those cables move with the hydraulic pumps throughout the plane. But with fly-by-wire, all that's gone. The pilot tells the plane to pitch up and pitch down or bank 
And even the rudder controls the same way as the old style, but there are no cables. Say no cables. Rather, when the pilot gives a command, like pitch up, for example, the yoke will send the computer a signal through what they're calling wires, which is actually a box. And it will tell it a motor to move the control surface, and this process happens in less than a second. So in other words, he pushes a button and it tells it through a signal in the air, do this, and the box makes that happen. Now you're smarter than you were. You learned something tonight. Okay? You learned what fly-by-wire is. Okay, now the whole reason that I told you that was not to teach you an airplane lesson. The Lord gave me this illustration today, or I wouldn't be telling you an airplane lesson. This is what the devil is doing to so many people. He's not reaching out and pulling your arm and saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. He's not doing that. What he's doing is pushing something in his head. Say this. Do this. Like, this is the box. And he's feeding it something. And the airplane has one second to react. Do you know what? You have one second to react. You have one second to cast down that thought or react to that thought. One second to give the devil place in your life or to cast him down. And that means victory or defeat in your life. I don't want the devil flying my body. I don't want the devil flying my mind. I don't want him having control of our airplane. But it, it's the exact same thing. He makes a suggestion, and you just do it. We're not that dumb. And we, the, the, the bad part about it is, guys, we know it's him. We know it's him. And we still go. (laughs) And fly the way he tells us to fly. And go someplace he tells us to go. Or fly off the handle at somebody. Tell them this. And we do what he tells us to do. That's why I was saying earlier, we don't have to do it. Take something and turn that switch off. Knock it in the head, whatever you have to do. But we don't have to listen to the devil. You have that one second interval that when that thought comes, you just say, what did we say? He's under our feet. We've taught the kids this so long ago, but we need to remind ourselves as adults, where's the devil? Uh, let's practice it. Where's the devil? Only three people are doing it. Where's the devil? Under our feet. Where's the devil? Under our feet. 
so when that thought comes, what do you do? People around you may not understand what you're doing. They may think this woman has gone loopy. This man has gone loopy. But all you have to do is when a thought comes that tries to make you do something that you don't want to do, you just do it gently if you want to. If somebody's around, just kind of do a little dance, you know. But you're stomping on the devil, you know. But if nobody's around, boy, you go to town. Hey, if I can do it in these hills, you can do it. But don't give him any place. Resist the devil and he will flee. But what we've been having happening is no resisting. You have to resist him for him to flee. If we're gods, we can't let the devil, we can't serve two masters. We belong to God. We establish that first off. But the second one is who do we serve? We have to make a choice. Who are we going to serve? We don't serve God for an hour and the devil for 14. We don't do it. When he comes with those thoughts, I don't care if you're in the grocery store. I don't care if you're in the mall. I don't care if you're at work. I don't care where you are. If a thought comes, make it a point for a little while to get up out of your chair or in your chair and stop him. Resist him. Say no under your breath and just make it a point of action. You know, we've been too spiritual to confess anything. We've been too spiritual to act. We've been too spiritual and we've been too spiritual to stand. We've been going under in droves. It's time that we put some action to our faith. And get our words working for us. No, devil, I resist you and you're under my feet. Try it on for size. No, devil, I resist you and you're under my feet. Now stomp him again. Remind him. Some of you ain't doing it. You ain't going to do it if Jesus is standing in front of you. And you're going to go under. This ain't about me. I ain't the one facing a failure right now. It's for you. And I'm the one up here looking dumb. You understand? It's it's every person beside you should be stomping their feet. It's not about what you look like. That pride will cause you to go in a hole and go belly up. It's not about what other people think about you. It's what God thinks about you. He's trying his best to get things to us. And his hands have been tied. Nobody, not your wife, not your kids, not your boss, not your grandmother, not your pastors, can stop voices from in your head but you. Nobody but you. You're the only one that can. And it takes one second to do it. 
As soon as they come, you resist them and you remind the devil of his place in your life. That you're not serving him, you're serving God. You remind him of that. When something comes up, a symptom comes up. Oh, oh, pain. Nope, nope, nope. I serve God. Devil, I resist you. You're under my feet. (laughs) That's all it takes. Doesn't matter if it's a physical symptom, a mental symptom, a lust symptom. I don't care if you've been getting up every night at 2 o'clock in the morning when everybody goes to bed and turning on that computer and looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. This works the same in every area of your life. You resist the devil, you put him underneath your feet, and he has to flee because you serve God. You're a child of his. You will win. Read this with me. Everybody, look at it on the screen. They're going to put it up for us. The Amplified, well, let's read it in the King James first. (coughs) Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. You've all heard it. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, Good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Now, the very last part is what I want you to get. And the God of peace shall be with you. The Amplified says it this way. For the rest, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence, and is honorable, and seemly, and just, and pure, and lovely, and lovable, whatever is kind, and winesome, and gracious, if there be any virtue and excellence, if there be anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take into account these things. Fix your minds on them. Fix your minds on these things. Do you know there's always bad things going on? You can always choose to think on negative. You must make it a choice to think on the positive. You're going to fly the devil's airplane or you're going to fly God's airplane. What you flying? Who's, who's mine? It's your choice. And you have one second to choose it. When those thoughts come, do you sit around and think about the negative all day long? You can't serve two masters. And whether you know it or not, that's serving the wrong master. When you're thinking on all those negative things and he told you to think on these things, that's serving the wrong master. We think on what he tells us to think on. 
It's like, it would be like the Lord telling me, Phyllis, do this. And I say, no, I want to do this. Well, no, that's not doing what he said do. He said think on these things. So if we think on these things, then that makes us his kids. And we're doing what he said do. So we're going to think on what's true and lovely and good. And any other thoughts, we're not going to fly. We're going to cast them down and resist the devil and put them under our feet. And we're not going to let him stay there. And that's how we're going to win victory after victory after victory after victory after victory after victory after victory in our lives. The Lord is never going to let us stand on our own. He's always going to be there for us. He's always with us. He wants to be there with us. We are his children. He is our father. He's never going to let us down. He's trying everything he can to get things through to us, to get things through to us, to get things through to us. And what the devil is trying to do is pull us to the other side. It's like a tug of war. Continuously. And you're on God's side, but the devil's got this rope, and he's constantly trying to pull you to his side. Well, it doesn't work that way with God. You are on God's team, and he's not going to let you go. But you can't, you can, you can stay on God's team, but stay on God's team defeated. And he doesn't like defeated people. He wants you to be victorious. He's looking for you to be victorious. Because that's a good witness for him. You having everything you need, you having all your bills paid, you having a healed body, a strong mind, good kids, that represents him well. But not only does it represent him well, it makes him happy. Just like it would any other father. So he tries everything he can to get the good to you. You don't have to quit. You don't have to quit life. You don't have to quit your marriage. It's not as hard as the devil has made it seem. And it's not as bad as he has painted it for you. It's almost like flipping the page in a book. That's how quickly it can change. That's how fast God can do things. No matter how bad it has been, With God, you understanding 
that you belong to Him and taking that place. See, that's the thing. People don't take that place because it's almost like somebody that's been in jail. They're more comfortable with those surroundings because they're comfortable with the condemnation. They're more comfortable with that life than they are believing good about themselves. They're more comfortable being down on themselves than believing they are the righteousness of God in Christ. They're more comfortable thinking, I'm no good, than Jesus is the glory and the lifter of my head. They daydream about having things, but they can't really see themselves being and having anything. It's just a high and lofty thought that maybe somebody else could have. Lies, lies, lies. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. The greater one lives inside of you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and gives you His glory. His glory is all over you. He gives you richly all things to enjoy. You are the joy of the Lord. Never, ever let the devil tell you you're not worthy. You're unworthy. You're no good. Never let him tell you that. Don't just stomp your feet. Kick him in the tail. Tell him to get out of there. Because God sent his only son to pay the price for you. Are you? Are you? Are you? And he would have done it just for you. There's not one person in this room that can't lift their head up high and say, God loves me. He paid the price for me. It doesn't matter if you messed up five minutes ago. You say, God, I love you. Thank you for forgiving me. And lift that head up high. You can have everything any person in this room has and better. And better. That's one thing, oh, that I love about God. There ain't nothing I got you can't have. He's no respecter of persons. There's not a car I have or a piece of jewelry I have or a house I have that you couldn't live right next door to me or you couldn't drive the same thing or better. Your faith works exactly the same way my faith works. You can have healing. You can have anything that you can believe for. And all you have to do is kick the devil in the tail. And quit telling it, listening to what he's telling you that you're not worthy. Or you can't have it. Or you've messed up. 
Quit believing that you're that old person. You're a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. All things have become new. You're new and you're new and you're new and you and everybody in here is a new creature. You don't have to live in that old life anymore. You don't have to be that old person anymore. And when you wake up in the morning, you should remind yourself, I'm a new creature in Christ. Today I'm going to live like that new creature. I'm going to be that person that God's called me to be. I'm going to have everything He's called me to have. And it's not just a pipe dream. I'm going to have it. And it's not way far off a hundred years in my future. It's today. I can have it now. People are good at just, just dreaming and putting things off. But no, take it now. Begin believing for it now. It's okay so long as maybe someday we can do this or someday we can do that. No, begin receiving things now. Receive forgiveness now. Receive your righteousness now. And that will start opening doors in your life. It will start changing things for you. doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. It matters what God thinks about you. He is the only one that matters in your life. And he'll change your life forever. Can you say amen? Amen. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's say it some more. Come on, stand up. Let's say it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. 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 I am, I am, I am. Say it, I am, I am, I am. Do you understand what that means? You are just as clean as Jesus. You don't get it. When Jesus was raised and seated at the right hand of the Father, everything he did, you received. Everything is yours. Everything is yours. Everything is yours. You never have to spend another broke day, another sick day, another down day. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you are. You don't have to earn it. That's who you are. And you need to remind yourself of that. Especially when you mess up. 
especially when you mess up. Have a seat just a minute. I have a song I want them to play for you. It's not a Christian song.